My name's Rad, and I want to tell you about the Transformers. My curiosity is aroused. Decepticons, transform and rise up! Calling Autobots! Calling Autobots! This is a battle protocol! Robots with emotions. Robots who can die. Hey guys, and welcome back to Fanholes Transformers Tuesdays, the Fanholes spinoff show where we talk Transformers every time and all the time. I'm Mike. I'm going to be your host tonight. And uh, joining me tonight are... Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek. Derek WC. And this is Justin. Yes, so this is uh, part two of a three-part series of shows we've been doing on uh, Dreamwave's Armada comic book series. Uh, we, The first part, uh, we talked about uh, issues one through five and the free comic book day uh, issue. And uh, this this episode, we will be talking issues six through 11, which uh, uh, which is basically the second trade. And uh, they there's two stories, really, uh, six and seven are a self-contained like uh, two-parter and then uh eight through 11 are a four-parter and uh you know it's just uh you know expanding the world a little more until it right before it like ends in the final arc because i mean this the dreamwave armada series only lasted 18 issues before they had to you know uh sort of relaunch it as energon but i I guess what we'll do is we'll talk about the issues six and seven like the two the star saber like two parter and then we'll talk about the uh the fort what they call the fortress arc in uh eight through eleven the star saber is mine <laughs> uh issues six and seven uh they're they're Simon Furman's first stab at the armada franchise like he he became the new ongoing writer as of these issues and uh the six and seven are allegedly drawn by Pat Lee. Like, I mean, he drew some of it probably. And then they cut, cut and pasted a lot of his panels like uh, several times to like, you know, cover for his uh, laziness, I guess. Like there's a lot of uh, color artists uh, listed in the credits. Like, I, I don't know if they're being disguised as uh, people who actually like ghost, like drew some things or fixed, you know, uh, stuff in post or whatever but uh yeah there's like five different names i think for color artists and and issue six at least this uh you know the six and seven are are the arc that introduces kind of like you know or reintroduces the air defense team and you know uh introduces the star saber which will be an, a fairly important artifact uh, in a later arc. The Star Saber was kind of a big deal in the cartoon as well. And like here, like, it, you know, most people think of the, you know, the combined Minicon weapons and stuff. And the Star Saber is probably the most well-known one. Um, these two issues, like I said, are allegedly drawn by Pat Lee. And they're probably most infamous for being, they're probably most remembered, at least by fans, for not being Pat Lee's best work. And I mean, <laughs> that's a, you know, Pat Lee's best work is barely his best work. So like when he doesn't put in a lot of effort, it, it's pretty obvious too. But uh, yeah, I mean, I bought these off the shelves. Like I mean, Derek, I assume you did too. Yeah, yeah, I bought them off the shelves. I was going to say maybe in maybe in the trans man's defense, I mean he. He, he probably had more of that anime flavor that they were hoping the the kids would have the that synchronicity with the the cartoon because I I mean that seems to be a common comment right that Carlos uh, Rad and uh, Alexis you know they they look more age appropriate and they look more like they do in the cartoon type thing so I mean. I suppose there's that. That's probably the nicest thing I could say about it. I, I feel like I was disappointed because I had that through line with Spark Plug where I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, he looks kind of like Bumblebee. And now he kind of doesn't look like Bumblebee. And then I think once Guido Giddy comes back on the book, 
in that, you know, by issue eight, then he goes back to kind of looking like Bumblebee again, you know? So I, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of funny. Yeah. They, they can't keep spark plugs head design consistent. It feels like, like he, it changes multiple times over the course of these like six issues. But yeah, there's, I think in one issue, at least he's back to having the Bumblebee horns, but like other issues, they try to draw him more like the toy. They try to draw his head more like the cartoon model. Like, I mean, so I mean, there's not a lot of even like I love Guido Giddy's art, but like, I mean, not even he was very consistent about that. But but we'll get to that, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, these two issues, I mean, just as a brief like summary, uh, Megatron decides it's not a very complicated plot. Megatron decides he needs more minicons. He goes and captures the air defense team. He forges them into the Star Saber. The, the spark plug and the, the Autobot minicons go to rescue them. Uh, they they infiltrate the Decepticon base. The kids get the land military team to like help rescue them. Uh, Optimus and Megatron have their fight. You know, Megatron uses the Star Saber. Optimus manages to talk the Star Saber guys into like resisting, and they do. And everyone goes their separate ways, basically. At the end, I mean, it's not a very complex uh, plot for the over these two issues, but uh, yeah. yeah. I don't know, like most, like I, I had remembered these issues not having that great art and like rereading them. Like I, I kind of, I was like, oh yeah, I was pretty justified, especially like the second issue, man, like it, it's, I feel like every single page, they like just repurposed art from other like panels, like, cause Pat Lee probably didn't want to be asked to draw it. Like where, you know, they just mirror Megatron in the same exact pose on multiple panels and yeah, so it's, I mean, it's pretty weak, I think, art wise and plot wise. It's, I think it's Furman just kind of like, you know, uh, getting his sea legs on this, in this continuity, I guess. I mean, it, and there's, there's a few inconsistencies, I guess, with the last arc too, where like, you know, Smokescreen and Scavenger are no longer part of the team, I guess, or they're no longer, they, they, they're nowhere to be found and maybe, that's because Furman didn't get the right information as to what was happening in the first arc or whatever. But I mean, he'll, he'll patch this later, but for right now, it's like some people have disappeared from the plot. Um, the kids, like we, we, I think we talked about this last time. The kids seem a lot like, well, not a lot, but older than they were in the first arc. Like they were, they felt like they were six or seven in the first arc and they're probably like preteens here. So, I mean, that's, like Derek said, closer to the cartoon, but like, I mean, there is some kind of inconsistency there, but, uh, but I'm, I'm eager like to hear just since Justin, I know this is Justin's first time, like reading these two issues. Like what, what did you, what was your impression of them? I thought they were actually decent. And as for the art, like, I don't know. I feel like I'm obligated to say I hate it, but I didn't hate it. Like it's okay. So, Pat Lee's G1 Volume 1, that first miniseries, like, that has some bad art in it. Like, there's no getting around that, right? Like, there's a lot of, like, super fat Autobots and, you know, just really bad panels and bad layouts. And there's some there's some fat Transformers in this. Like, there's some shots of Megatron. Like, I was looking at, uh, there's, like, a full body shot of him, and I was like, oh, that doesn't look, oh... No, he's like fat and chunky, and his fingers are like ginormous. Like the, I was expecting the art when I saw Pat Lee's name in the credits. I was expecting the art to be much worse, but I was like, "Oh, this isn't that bad." And then in the back of my head, I was like, "Oh well, he probably only did like thirty percent of it. Then if it's not, you know, if it's not awful or something." But I, I thought the art was, you know, serviceable. You know, it's it's not awful. It's not it's not that first G one miniseries that was so bad. The story, you know, like you say, it's Furman kind of finding his legs with this. Um, it's still better than anything in the Armada TV show, especially like the uh, the upcoming arc. You know, the other issues we read, I was like, oh, this this was actually pretty good. I wish, you know, the TV series had something like this in it. But that's, you know, we'll talk about that later, I guess. But yeah, I actually thought these two issues were, you know, they were all right, you know. I think Justin just likes it because Optimus Prime is like, get these fucking kids out of here. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what that's what he's like in the beginning. 
I, I was going to say for uh, for Starscream, and this is also to prove my point that Damian Wayne going is is a British thing. Like that's Morrison doing a British thing. Like I feel like Simon Furman made Starscream do it too because Starscream has that one sequence where Megatron's telling him like, "Oh, get me some minicons. Go get me some stuff," and Starscream's like. You know, so so I, I, I feel like that's I feel like that's some kind of British thing. The, the the worst thing about this, I don't know if it's the art, but I, I mean, the arts to blame for it is those double page spreads are fucking terrible because they don't like. Jim Shooter's head would fucking explode. He would make. Oh, yeah, they don't that one, redraw it those slow like, at fucking all. 500 yeah. times like it doesn't it. it well, I mean. What you're supposed to do, right, if it's a DPS, is you're supposed to read it from left to right, but instead you read it from left to right only up until the page break, but there is no page break. And so, like, you're actually reading it from from top to bottom and then going back up to the top and the bottom as if they're two individual pages, right? And that was... It's something that I think is... It's weird. It's like it's so fucking basic. But then at at this point, it's like you're kind of like, but of course, of course, you can't get the basics right with that. You know what I mean? Like, like, I I feel like it's like a sad state of, uh, you know, affairs where you're like, you can't even get the basics of comic book storytelling. Right. You know, like and and it's difficult. Right. Because I'm sure I'm sure the the people dialoguing it. Right. Or 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 doing the lettering or whatever. We're just like, what the fuck do we do it you know what i mean like like sometimes there'd probably be a way to sort of salvage it but like i don't i don't think there was any way to salvage those so like that i thought was kind of annoying uh i i will i will fight against the get rid of the kids thing because i mean i like i like the introduction of the land military minicon team and how like you know he's like son you've got brass you speak plain you know like you're cool rad you know so like i like that moment between the kids and and the 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 minicon team that was introduced and everything and i i think you know like i i think my favorite part is the you know i don't know Furman seems to have people speechify a bunch in in armada but i mean i think they're good speeches you know what i mean like i like I like Megatron's speech about power. You know, he's like, you've never understood power. It must be shackled, reigned, broken, and then unleashed. Show it weakness. Show it respect. Show it anything other than total control, and it will break you. You know, like, I like I like that. And, and then I kind of like Prime's comeback. He's like, it is about respect for the power and the individual, Megatron. You know, like, that's, I don't know. It's it, like, I thought that part of it was was fun and it worked for me yeah like i mean Furman, you know even when he's like thrown in the deep end i think he can swim pretty well so but yeah i mean you're right about the art like i I did notice that too with that double page spread where i'm like wait a minute this is like all fucked up like it should be going straight across but it goes down then across like that you don't yeah i was like that's that's like you said basic comic book shit like for double page spreads yeah yeah and then, like, just, other things, like, I, I think the wiki even mentions it, where it's like, you know, Laserbeak is, sp- like, spying on the Decepticons. And and, and and if you're not familiar with Armada, Laserbeak is an Autobot who turns into, like, a camcorder in Armada. So, like, yeah, the, if that sounds weird, Laserbeak is working for the Autobots and spying on the Decepticons. That's why. But, um, yeah, so that's what's supposed to be happening in that double page spread, but they never even show laser beak or no. like Lee doesn't bother to draw him. So you don't even know what, who the fuck is talking. Like, uh, like, well, that's, you, like you that, would only... that's like that one scene where I'm like, do the mini have Harry Potter's like invisibility cloak? Like what the fuck is going? Cause like there's that scene where Starscream's like, hello. And, and then, and then he's like, what is he? Does he see them somehow? Like, cause there's nobody, there's nobody in the panel, and I was like, you know, it's like that moment where you're like, dude, do they have invisibility cloaks? Are they holding their breath like Cheryl Blossom on Riverdale doing magic spells? Is that why the, the minicons are invisible? And it's like, no, Pat Lee just didn't feel like fucking drawing them in that panel. And it's like, uh, like, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm like, Jim Shooter would make Pat Lee draw this like over a thousand times, you know? 
And like another oddity, and I think the wiki also mentions this, but like the land military team is supposed to have like all like these big red missiles like loaded in their launchers. Like that's what their toy has. But Lee never draws them in the launchers. So I'm like, did he like just expect his like, you know, backup ghost artists Mm -hmm. to like draw in the missiles there? And they never did like. Because it, it looks kind of weird, the land military team driving around with no missiles like loaded in their like empty launchers or whatever. But yeah, like I, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff where you can kind of see past the curtain and you know see like what people did to salvage this art and how they like failed at salvaging this art in places. It's kind of weird to me because like like you should yeah I mean. I know it's funny, but just coming from a place where, you know, now there there is that aspect where, like, you're looking at pages and going, like, oh, would I like to buy this page? And it's like, a splash page should be, like, super desirable, but then, like, that page where Megatron, like, chunks his sword into the earth, the Star Saber sword, I'm like, it's all fuzzy and, I, I don't know, like, there's just something about it where it's like, you can barely see anything, you know? And, and I always feel like that I don't know how to explain that other than when there's a bunch of junk in front of like the actual composition of an image, I always feel like that's hiding shortcoming. You know what I mean? Like, because, and, 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 and I'm only speaking for myself, like I'm not the greatest artist, but if I draw a bunch of junk in front of something, it's because I'm like, Oh, Oh, I fucked up that foot. Let me just draw a bunch of fucking energy and, bullshit in front of you know what i mean like let me just do that so like nobody notices or whatever but you still kind of fucking notice sometimes you know what i mean like i don't i that that's the only way i can kind of convey that if that makes any sense <laughs> this is a like yeah and again it's like a gym shooter like sweeping everything off the desk and going like draw it again like, yeah you know? yeah like, yeah like, i mean that this was funny i mean people were like oh jump shooter's an asshole but then i'm like dude but now you got this shit where it's like he he didn't nobody did tell this guy to draw it again and they handed it off to a bunch of you know poor ghost artists who who you know basically you know it's like carl kiesel drawing all the fucking goddamn fucking warehouse crates so that it looks like there's actually backgrounds in hawk and dove or whatever you know what i mean and it's like it's like that you know i mean that's one way to go about it but i mean and and i i get what justin's saying too like like there's panels in it there's things that are you know they're fine right like it's not like it's not like the end of the world i i know i i kind of know what justin's saying just coming from a uh do the transformers look fat right like and it's like uh I mean, they kind of do, and but but not not insanely, right? So like, I mean, I kind of get that, but I, I I guess I would still go back to, and it, I you know it's interesting. I don't think it's as bad in this as it is in some other things, but there there are things where I still look at it and go, why is the camera placed here exactly? Do you know what I mean? Like like you know why you know there there could have been a better angle to display yeah, like this I, at you know? I, I i actually had that thought like when you usually say stuff like that like the the last page of the of issue six where it should be a like epic shot of megatron like with the new like star saber he's just like forged but like the star saber is mostly like off panel like yeah. he's hold, you can see the handle like he's holding the handle but the sword itself the blade is like all the way off panel so i'm like wait like that that should have been your money shot. Like that yeah. should have been the like you know. But well, that, like that's, you said, that's, that's the new toy, right? That you're trying to sell, right? And it's like what you only see the bottom half of it, and like and and then they blur out like his 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 pelvis so that they can because what? Because he didn't draw a pelvis, and they wanted to put in the to be continued text box. Like yeah, it's it's very um, you know, kind of like why, yeah, finish the drawing, like, or redraw it so it actually fits on the splash, you know? And my, and my favorite error, and it's in issue seven, and I, I, I noticed it the first time I read the issue. There's a panel of Red Alert shooting Demolisher, and not only does Pat Lee not draw the missiles on Demolisher's shoulder, but he, he draws Cyclonus's rotor on Demolisher's back. Like, like, how does that even happen? Like, he mix, 
he there's first of all i mean this is something like hasbro should have fucking like you know looked at and said wait a minute like you're fucking up our new toys that you were trying to sell like he drew like someone else's accessory like something that's part of cyclonus's like anatomy on another character like how do you even do that you do it shirtless on top of a car i guess making so, those yeah. making those those funky gang signs that he does or whatever yeah. With your lips all patty. That's I that's guess how. so. I don't trust him as far as I can throw him. I'd love to crush that arrogant mainframe into a pile of titanium shavings. But yeah, I mean I, I've never had a really high opinion of these issues, but I think like Simon Furman's writing does kind of save the story for like all the flaws the art has. And I mean, like Justin said, I mean, it's not as like, you know, some there are some really ugly things that Patley has drawn, and at least like Despite like all the flaws we just mentioned, I mean, it's it's readable at least. Like, I mean, it's not like there was nothing I was like super confused about aside from the invisible laser beak. But I I was confused when I read the DPS again. I was like, what the fuck? But yeah. Oh yeah, and the the, the two page I, yeah spread that took, like it's laid out to all like around, you know tell my brain to read this the wrong way so I could understand it or whatever. You know. Yeah. And I, I do like the air defense team, and I'm glad, like, Furman kept uh, Chris Saracini's, like, whole, like, speech pattern with them, where, like, it's usually mm. Runway who says, like, the full ideas, and the other two just, like, kind of, you know, assent to them or whatever. But, yeah. And, uh, yeah, the land military team is cool, and, like, they're, they, they show up, like, uh, regularly from this point on, too. So, but uh, anything else about this two-parter, or...? I, I I don't have anything else. No. Okay. Well, let's move on. Yeah, to the the larger arc uh, issues uh, eight through eleven, which is I, I think like the the trade paperback terms this the fortress arc, and uh, this is the like you know this is Furman's first big arc with the the Armada book, and it's the debut of uh, Guido Giddy. This is actually like the first. Transformers art I've ever seen him like I, I I think it's his first pro art at least like or maybe he did some covers and stuff but like his first like sequential pro art on Transformers so like I was uh I think I was super impressed when I first read like issue eight because I was like oh this art is a lot better than the last issue so but uh yeah the, the fortress arc uh deals with a uh the the other half of the minicon ship that like was headed to earth like landed on the moon and like the surviving mini cons up there, like basically form a, like a sort of community, and uh, you know, like it's led by uh, the mini con destruction team and uh, uh, the destruction team's leader, Dulor, and uh, they basically have their own like mini con like commune up there, and they like try to get the uh, Earth mini cons to join them, like they basically kidnap them. And it le- like it, it ends up with the Autobots and Decepticons having to basically, you know, go to the moon and try to get the- rescue their minicons. And the the whole thing kind of falls apart on itself. And, you know, there's treachery and betrayal and all sort of political intrigue and stuff. And yeah, that's I mean that and by the end of it, the minicon moon base is destroyed and all those minicons have headed like are back headed back to Earth to, you know, complicate uh, things there even more. So, yeah, but uh, yeah, I've always had a soft like this is like, you know, people mostly from the Armada comic, they remember like Worlds Collide, which is like the third arc. But uh, I, I have a soft spot for this arc. Like, I think it's a solid piece of work. It it definitely um highlights what is different from the art like why the armada comic is different uh than the cartoon because i mean the focus is basically all on the mini cons and their characterization their like politics as a you know separate like you know race of transformers and you know all that stuff like so i mean and i, I really dig like i think Dulor is like a minor favorite villain of mine from from our armada or you know character just i I think he's you know a cool like manipulative uh sort of mastermind type that i dig and uh yeah like i I, and guido giddy's art is like impeccable like even even though he can't keep some character models consistent like i think you know for his first time like i know i think this is really good and uh i don't know derek what about you i mean i assume you were also picking this up off the stands 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it it's it's been a while since I've read this because I think I am I am that person that you talked about. Like I I remember Worlds Collide very fondly, right? And this is kind of like the 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 midway point of a you know a three act structure or whatever. And and I I don't think I it, I don't think this was as memorable to me. But you know, going back and reading it, I mean, I think there's some good points about it. You know, like I do like I mean, r- regardless of whether you think things are consistent or not with with uh, spark plug, I mean, I think he is back to looking again more like that familiar look, you know, that kind of bumblebee look, making him, you know, a little more familiar or relatable to to longtime fans and everything. And I think that uh, he also, I mean, I I would think that he's not using a bunch of ghost artists and all this other stuff. And 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 does not have the same uh, shortcomings, you know. I, I I know we talked about it before, but where I think um, what was it Figaro said, "Look, I'm not good at the anime faces or whatever." And I think I think Guido Giddy seemed to nail those. I mean, they they almost look. Um, h- how can I explain it? They look less anime and more like a Scooby Doo cartoon, but they still seem incredibly on model for. Billy and Fred and and Rad and Alexis and Carlos and everything like that. And and the thing I like the most about it is kind of what you're talking about, like the differences between the, you know, in the in the anime or the cartoon or whatever. It, it always seemed like, you know, I don't know, leader one was just this thing that hung out on Megatron's shoulder. And the you know, I mean, it, they, they made a the, the, the biggest deal they made were with the you know, the, the, I don't know, whatever you call them, the, the, the skateboard team or whatever the hell they were, you know, the ones that always hung out with Carlos Rad and Alexis street action team, street action team, right? Like they, they were the ones that were always, to me, it seemed like we're the most heavily focused on in the anime or cartoon. Right. And I mean, they, they have a few panels in this and everything, but the, the, the thing that I think is interesting is, Prime is akin, you know, it's like it's like Sparkplug is akin to the leader role for mini cons. You know, they all look to him. They all ask how how it's going. You know, he he has he's the one who's their spokesman. That's like having this conversation with Prime saying, look, we need to be more involved and all that stuff. And Prime's his equivalent. Right. And and they don't always agree. Right. And they're they're kind of having this these internal frustrations or whatever when this whole thing goes down. So I think that's that's a cool you know way to set up conflict, even among the good guys. Right. Just for for dramatic purposes. And then and then you introduce this third faction. You know, and then and then, you know, I mean, you know, to, to me, like, I again, I'm just going to speak up for Rad. I think it's cool that he, you know, he's daring. He jumps on the the, the ship and, and tries to help, even though it gets him held hostage or whatever. And, and now I'm laughing about it because I'm like when I when I picked that last splash of, of issue nine as my my avatar for the Skype tonight, I'm kind of like, oh, look, it's a little kid techno bondage or whatever you know it's like it's funny like some people have this weird quirk where they like getting you know art of like wonder woman you know because she's in bondage or you know whoever it is like some some superheroine tied up or something like that and you know they they you know they they all laugh because it's like oh somebody's you know somebody's into this bondage kink or whatever that william moulton marston was setting up or whatever but here you've got the you know, rad and techno bondage or whatever it is. Right. But like, I, I still think like, you know, there, there's something about his character that like, look, he's brave. He was trying to, you know, help his friends or whatever, but he in turn becomes the hostage. Right. And that, that kind of reveals like how this third faction is different. Right. Because you've got the faction that was, it's probably too light a word to say, but that was conscripted by the Decepticons. Right. That, that, that was forcibly, made to service them right and that's why you have that moment where leader one just kind of you know i you know he's like i I, did you think i was just gonna do what you said megatron you know and he he turns on him and like that's a cool moment that you never really would get in any of the the cartoons that that they all have their unique agendas and motivations and stuff like that and and then this third faction the fact that they're holding a human being hostage i mean that's like shocking to rad you know he's kind of like oh aren't you friendly like 
these other Autobot mini cons that I've made friends with. And it turns out they're not. He, it turns out, you know, they're kind of like, look, we're, we're tired of being conscripted by these Transformers just as much as everybody. But beyond that, it's like not only are we removing all the mini cons from the Earth so that the fighting can stop, or at least that's their goal. But if the Autobots come and try to take back the mini cons, we're going to threaten to kill you. So they leave us alone, too. You know, so it's like it's like that, that kind of those kind of levels that they bring, you know, make it interesting, too. And it's like introducing that whole, you know, Zartan as a third faction between G.I. Joe and Cobra, you know, this this additional third faction. And and I kind of like. I mean, to me, I feel like those that third faction, that destruction team, like they fucking get what they deserve. You know what I mean? Like they reap what they've sown. And it's almost like it's a weird sense of of schadenfreude I have because I feel like they they blur the line and, and do things that are wrong. And it's like at the end when Megatron catches them. There, there's a there's an aspect where okay Megatron might have had some pratfalls going after Carlos Alexis and Rad but he sure as fuck recaptures Leader One and that Destruction Minicon team and it's almost like it's almost like the Oz effect for me in reverse where I don't feel bad for those guys it's almost like you're like oh dude you fucked up bro and now you're getting now you're getting butt raped in Transformer prison. Do you know what I mean? Like, like they they tried they tried to take their shot. It's like you should have, you know, what, what Megatron tells Starscream in the original More Than Meets the Eye cartoon. You should have taken care of me when you had the chance. Mistake number one. Do you know what I mean? And it's like they they didn't even get past number one. And so now Megatron's got all of them in his fat fucking fingers and is like, okay, it's time to bend over and give me what I want. You know what I mean? And it's like. That's that's one of those things where it's, it, you know, it, it to me, at least it's it, it, there, there's an aspect of it where it's it's making Megatron the threat that he will ultimately, you know, to, to me, it's it's interesting because he lives up to that. You know what I mean? Like and 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 it's not just a bunch of pratfalls or whatever's going on, you know. I, I know Guido Giddy throws in a bunch of Easter eggs and stuff like that, so that's always fun. You can tell he's a fan that he he cares about the the franchise and the medium and everything. And then I think finally, like I think my favorite part of this, and and it's kind of what I was getting at, why I don't like the the destruction team so much is I I really do like spark plug speech you know like I, I i was alluding to before like there's lots of uh speechifying i guess in in this and everything and so like spark plug has his own basic speech that that he's giving right and he says i've given this a lot of thought if you're happy to be here that's all fine and good if not well that's the real question isn't it see it's not whether we're better off here safer happier it's that no one asked you know what I mean? And he, he says, because they didn't ask, they just took. And that is exactly what we were running from in the first place. So it brings it back to that original concept of that these, you know, the, the minicons in general were abused and, and mistreated by the larger Transformers to begin with. This kind of parallel to, you know, I don't know, whatever, whatever historical group you can think of, you know, that was hunted down, abused, used, you know, and everything like that. But then on top of that, like if somebody comes along and says, well, we're going to fix that. We're going to make things better for you by hurting you all into this campground on the moon. And, and spark plugs kind of like, no, fuck that. Like you didn't ask me like the whole point of it's supposed to be, we should have been able to make up our own minds about that stuff you know so it's like that's i don't know to me that that's something i enjoyed and you you could you know of course again you could never get that in in the anime right because then it'd be like five minutes of oh man spark plugs giving this really cool speech man you know like you couldn't you couldn't (laughs) get that you know so all i could think of and i picked it as my avatar of that like scene where Dulor's like yelling at spark plug and he points at his head to his think spark plug think like you know yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) i don't know justin what did you think of this arc 
I enjoyed it. And one of the reasons why is because, one, again, all these minicons have their own distinct personality and goals and everything. But in the Armada, you know, Micron Legend, whatever, the minicons are just kind of treated like tools. I mean, they have their own, like, will. They can do what they want, but it seems like that's just like a convenient plot point. It's like, oh, well, you know, Megatron has a Star Saber and he can do whatever he want. And he can do that for several episodes unless it's like a convenient plot point where he loses the Star Saber or something. You know, it's just it's one of those things. So seeing a team of Minicons who have like their own goal aside from like whatever the Autobots or Decepticons want. And even some of the other Minicons, like, that was really interesting. And the fact that they kind of, like, you know, they take Rad and they put him on that big thing. Like, he's going to, like, you know, keep them from, like, using the warp gate in or whatever. I was just like, oh, crap. Like, that's – they're going to go that far? Like, they're going to, like, sacrifice Rad? Okay, that's that's interesting. You definitely would not have got that in the anime series. But, uh, but yeah, I thought this was a really interesting arc. And it's, like – again, I know I keep saying it, but it, it's too bad there was nothing – this deep on the series because it definitely would have you know improved things see i i derek likes to stick up for rad but i don't which is why i like that I, like i like <laughs> i like doolors because i'm like yeah doolors awesome you strap rad to a fucking bomb like you know like doolors all like you know like man i know a lot of people who would be really happy if we blew you up <laughs> but yeah i think i like you know i i do like the whole like leader one like you know trying to like take megatron out. oh yeah yeah that's a good like, that. like that's mm-hmm. a you know but like a, we keep saying it but i mean i mean leader one and spark plug are you know very distinct characters in this series and they're they're not on the show on the cartoon they're just freaking pokemon or whatever so I mean, yeah yeah well, you gotta you gotta insert the clip for Leader One. You know, you take a shot at the king, you best not miss. You know, yeah. it's like, uh oh, he fucking missed. I love, um, and it, I think it's I think it's Leader One's like main picture on the wiki. That shot of Megatron's hand coming at mm-hmm, him and him mm-hmm. running away, like and yeah. like the wiki. Yeah, that's like the wiki's main like picture of him, and it's like this is every day of Leader One's life. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and like I said, Guido Giddy, like, I mean, he's obviously, he, he can stay on model. He's a better storyteller than Pat Lee. I mean, like, I, I was, I remember being super impressed with his art the first time I saw it. And I was like, man, this dude's got to draw more stuff, stuff. And he, I mean, he draws with, like, some pretty consistency for the rest of the run. So, I mean. Well, the, the thing that's great about it is, like, all these, you know, we were talking about how the last splash page of Megatron holding the Star Saber seemed like it was too cropped and at a weird camera angle. And you don't get the, I mean, you get all the information you need in that splash with Rad. He's tied up to that generator. You can see the destruction team in the, the foreground. You know that they're the ones that are implementing this. There's, like, great splashes with... Uh, you know, leader one, like almost, you know, uh, you know, his hands on his hips where it's almost like he's he's cackling. There's there's a lot of um, cool stuff in this. And, and and like you said, you know, I'm sure there's things where where you could, you know, kind of poke holes as a as a first timer or whatever. But some of the composition, like you talked about the, you know, the Megatron's hand and leader one running from it, you know, just all that kind of stuff. And then, and then he had all these fun fan things that, you know, he didn't have to put in like the Autobot shuttle from, from Transformers, the movie. He didn't have to put in like little Easter eggs of like Optimus Prime and Ratchet when the kids are going through like the city streets and all that, you know, like G1 Optimus and Ratchet, you know, it's like, it's like that thing of, you know, everybody kind of got, giddy with uh transformers animated anytime they put little easter eggs in there and and here he is doing it you know what uh you know 10 years before right so it's like i you know i think all that stuff is is fun another good another good uh splash is that uh arnold schwarzenegger optimus like i'll be back like when he's stepping on the lip of the space bridge or whatever oh like, yeah, yeah 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 that's like, a nice yeah. one too yeah Hasta la vista, Starscream. Herman always does really 
good with um what do they say like sort of when you're you're uh um kind of c- constructing a like conflict on multiple levels or whatever where it's like oh you have to keep like you know upping the stakes in like every corner of like you know whatever plot there is like so like not only is the situation happening up on the moon base but like in order to help like rad optimus has to like you know open a space bridge to cybertron but he can't do it because the you know the decepticon sensors will sense it and locate like the autobot base on cybertron so he sends hotshot and red alert to like the decepticon base to infiltrate it and stop that from happening so it's like you know not only is all this stuff happening in space but like hotshot and red alert are in the decepticon base doing some shit and like there's always there's always like the the stakes are always really like well defined and like you know the tension is always ramped up and I always appreciate that with Furman. And yeah, he introduces a uh, thrust too to like the Decepticon ranks and thrust is another character who's kind of very different in the anime and in the comic. I mean, in the anime he's kind of like he's almost like the Starscream even though there is a Starscream yeah, yeah. already in Armada. But uh, in the in the in the comic thrust is more of a like sort of like I feel like and I, I think I made this note on the wiki myself that um, Furman was Furman found out who was voicing thrust, which is uh, on the cartoon, which is Colin Murdoch. And Colin Murdoch also voiced Quick Strike in Beast Wars. So I feel like he's writing Thrust as like a cowboy because he's like, oh, Colin Murdoch <laughs> is voicing him. So maybe that's what he sounds like. He sounds like Quick Strike. And I mean, in, in the cartoon, he didn't really sound like Quick Strike, but it, like, you know, right, right. He, he it was still the same voice actor. So and like, I think in later issues, like you've got Thrust saying things like what in tarnation and stuff. So I'm like, oh, man, like he's he's writing them like Quick Strike. So like it's a very different take than, you know, what, what he he's like on the cartoon. But I, I think it's charming in its way. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and uh, speaking of uh, another, like I, I feel like it's impossible to read Megatron's dialogue without hearing like David K. I think yeah, doing yeah. this Megatron, like you know when he's like you know when he's on he's using the drilling machine to like get into the Minicon moon base. I you know his as if at first you don't succeed, try try again. Like you know it's yeah. It, you know, and he kind of, you know, in the Armada cartoon, he kind of portrayed like that Megatron with a little more like less, less uh, smooth than like Beast Wars Megatron. But like, you know, still some kind of like, you know, class to him, I guess. So like he still had, I mean, you he, know. he was he was as smooth as he could be within the confines of the lip flaps. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the, uh, uh-huh. Trying to fit, you know, all this dialogue in a certain space while yeah, yeah. also sounding believable. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, I think this is a sort of minor classic story, like in terms of like, you know, just transformer comics in general. And like, I always enjoyed it and it's, it's a shame that like, I, I don't know, like there's room to do another story like this, like, because I mean, unless you're going to do another like reboot of like Armada continuity, I mean, like they, they've kind of folded mini cons into other continuities now, but I don't think like they don't have the same circumstance that they do in the Armada universe where they're like, you know, highly sought after they're like, Mm -hmm. you know, enslaved by Decepticons. And like that it's, you know, this is not a, a story you could really do, with at least with the mini cons, like specifically anymore. I, I guess I always feel like it's that it's that meme of the the distracted boyfriend, right? Like where the 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 mini cons or the armada is this you know current girlfriend you're not paying attention to, even though you're holding her hand, and you know energon or whatever it is that's coming next is the <laughs> the new hotness. You know what I mean? So it's like it, it it's like one of those things where. I, I don't know, maybe, I mean, you know, it's interesting because, right, you've got this, you know, this attempt to have a nostalgia play for Beast Wars, right? And it's like, you know, of course, you know, I don't want to get too deep into it, but you've got, you know, the IDW comic, which didn't kind of turn out how most of us would have liked, right? But but that was an attempt, right? And then you've got this 
what the rise of the beasts movie that's coming out. So, I mean, that could dictate how, how other interpretations of transformers that people are nostalgic for are potentially revisited. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, is that something that you'd be like, I, I, I I don't know. I, I feel like I would be less interested in a reimagining of that, but you feel like, there were more stories to just tell in the Armada verse for lack of a better, you know, like even though it transitioned into Energon and Cybertron and all this other stuff, like I just mean like I could see like somebody, you know, just like when they go back and tell, you know, you know how they did the secrets and lies thing. And they said, Oh, this is like, you know, in between or before the Marvel comic or some such, right? Like if they made like a little mini series where it was like the secrets and lies of Armada and they did some additional, you know, you know, mini cons that can talk and have personalities and use this Dreamwave series as like, you know, d- d- do some kind of in betweeners of of something that happened, you know, during the Armada time frame that that would not be something that I would turn my nose up at. Although I, I, I like again, I don't know how viable it is to tell no. stories in the Dreamwave like universes no, no. anymore. Just because you know people want to uh, disown the whole situation, I guess, or mm. or maybe they don't think you know they think it's tainted somehow because people yeah, weren't yeah, paid yeah. for things or yeah. whatever, but. But yeah, you're right, though. It's sad that they can't like, you know, or they won't do that because I think there's there's a ton of potential here and it wasn't given as much space as it could have been given to like really expand into things like so. But yeah, like any final thoughts about like the issues we've talked about in this segment? I mean, this is this is the middle part of Armada. I mean, like this is it's weird to say because it's like the first arc was the introduction and then Worlds Collide is the big epic, like, you know, game changer, like, cosmic, like, arc. But this is, like, sort of, this is, like, you could almost call this middle stuff, like, filler, but it's not really, not exactly filler. It's more like the day-to-day happenings of the Armada yeah. universe. Yeah. Like, this is as close as the Armada comic got to the cartoon, which is weird to say, because we just talked about how different it is. But, you know, this is, you know, they're still hunting for mini cons like this. Mini cons are the main deal. Like this is what they have to do. Like this is the whole point of this universe. Yeah. I, I, I don't think you should overlook, you know, it's like the, 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 the acquisition of the star saber should be a big deal, whether it's the comic or the, cartoon and and i i don't think i would call the acquisition of the star saber filler and and then as far as the the arc with the the minicon factions i think like you're saying that's a that that's the raison d'etre of the series right i mean you know it's probably easy to mock the cartoon anime and kind of go oh it's like pokemon gotta catch them all but i mean that that you know it wasn't as I don't know, trite or annoying the way it was presented in the comic, right? Because they gave it a sense of gravitas with the the kind of the, the way those characters, you know, took shape and, and their backstory and all that kind of stuff. And it, it really does make that, you know, it, it, it's that, uh, it, I don't know if I have the words, but it's it, it's that sense of you know that third minicon faction was living in its ivory tower you know thinking that their shit didn't stink you know like we're 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 too good for this autobot decepticon conflict and and it all it all came fucking crashing down in their face do you know what i mean and 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 now they're they're subjugated just like the rest because of their arrogance you know and it's like you, you, something like that it's like it's it's not a gotta catch them all thing it's 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 actually if you you know if you pay attention to it it's kind of like that you know science fiction cleverly disguised as a parable type thing but you you, you know what i was going to ask for final thoughts was um i i I was trying to remember for context, what was the Armada issue that, that outsold the G1 Dreamwave? 
Um, um, I believe it was the first issue. Oh, okay, okay. So that 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 first issue like outsold like what like the fourth issue of yeah the, yep. the, the G one uh-huh. miniseries. Okay, okay. I just wanted to remember that or or bring it up in context of us talking about Armada. Do you know what I mean? So it's not just that you know. I mean, th- there was there was some interest and excitement over that. I mean, yeah. I, mean, I guess since it's a first issue, that that would that would track, right? That's always been historically, right? First issues always outperform, you know, second, third and fourth issues of, and it didn't really matter. It's not like, it's not like because it was G1 and it was the fourth issue, it did better than the first issue of Armada, you know? Justin, any final thoughts? I liked it. (laughs) Good. I liked it. I liked it, yes. If you guys have any comments, questions, and or concerns, you can email us at fanholspodcast at gmail.com. If you want to check out the backlog of episodes, you can do that over on fanholspodcast.blogspot.com. You can direct download all the episodes of Transformers Tuesdays or any of our other shows there. We are on all kinds of uh, streaming. We can be found on Apple Podcasts. We're on Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Spotify, and Amazon Music. And we're on all kinds of stinky poodoo social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We are all subjugated like minicons there. So if you want to reach out to us there, you can do so. Thank you, Derek. So this is Mike saying, uh, first you don't succeed, try, try again. This is Derek, Derek WC. They didn't even ask. Signing off. And this is just What in tarnation? Thrust terrorize! On the wiki, I know there's a quote from Simon Furman where he was like, uh, oh, yeah, Pat Lee gave me a like original page of art from like Armada number seven and like half the panels were blank. Well, that reminds me, I, I think I sent it to you, but that that I thought it was kind of neat because that that what if that you liked of uh, Iron Man that. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Senior and, and, and Furman, he, he, he got like a page from it from him. I'm like, yeah. I all I could think of is I was like. I was like, well, that page must be a hell of a lot nicer than anything he got from Pat Lee. <laughs>